It is fantastic. everybody and welcome back to this edition of the overtime podcast presented by the cold front report i'm one of your two co-hosts clayton gary you can find me on twitter at cfr clayton that's at cfr c-l-a-y-t-o-n and joining me as always i'm jeff uvino you can find me on twitter at real j-u-v-i-n-o r-e-a-l-j-u-v-e-i-n-o jeff jeff the bills they lose to the patriots their first loss on the season they dropped to three and one they lost this game it was a heck of a game i'll say that they lost 16 to 10 and they held Tom Brady in the offense to nine points. It was, it was quite impressive. What are your overall thoughts on the game? I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with effort. It appeared early on as though the Bills might let it get away from him. We had our usual Allen through the pick. Then you had the block punt, which is absolutely inexcusable, but whatever. It was 13-0. Looks like here we go again. But the defense held him in the game. Buffalo showed resiliency, and I'll give him credit for staying in there. You know, I mean, that's the best. That's probably other than the win in 2011. That's probably the best effort I've seen against the Patriots A team that the Bills have shown in my lifetime. My goodness, my goodness! It, it, it was really like the atmosphere felt like we were going to win that game. Like the whole week leading up to it, I, I thought I, I, I didn't let myself get in that trap of having the expectation that we were going to win. But my gut kept telling me that this is going to be a game and we're going to be in it. And it, it we were li- quite literally a few this or that's away from winning this football game, whether it be John Brown being tackled at the one yard line, whether it be that block punt, we were really close to winning this football game where I thought if it, if that were going to be the case that the bills were going to have to have their best effort on all and from all three phases from all 11 players each in, in throughout the whole game. And it was quite the opposite. As far as the offense is concerned, they had their worst effort of the season, Josh Allen, three interceptions. It was ugly and the reason I keep saying he goes Cowboys because he was a Wyoming Cowboy and this is the kind of crap he did at at Wyoming and why people thought he was going to be so such a bad quarterback coming into the draft but that's neither here or there but yeah Josh Allen let's get into it Josh Allen looked absolutely terrible yesterday and if you ask me he looked like a deer in the headlights he was starstruck he was playing his childhood idol or Tom Brady it wasn't the first time but this was the first time that you could really tell this team believed that they could beat the Patriots, and they should have. If you, if you watch the game from start to finish, there was no moment in that game where I felt like, wow, we're really going to get our, our butts whooped in this game. And other than that blocked punt, that's really when I started feeling like they were going to lose this game and it was going to be a blowout. But the defense really stood up tall. But Josh Allen, those three interceptions, man, they were ugly. It doesn't get, it doesn't get much more uglier than that, man. Well, you can't forget that the Patriots have a great defense. They're a complete team. They're not a one-dimensional team. They never have been this whole their whole dynasty here. They've always had good defenses, and they showed it. And, I mean, we, we know that the Bills' offense is mediocre, and the Patriots shut them down. Their secondary played great. There were a lot of times when a lot of the sacks that Allen took, he had a lot of time, but there was no one open. I'll give him credit for not throwing the ball more than he did when if there's nobody open. Um, a lot of covered sacks and – Patriots defense played well. They outplayed. If we if we are going to start calling the Bills defense one of the best in the league, the Patriots defense outplayed them. Oh, absolutely. 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 These two defenses are two of the top three in the league, I think. I, definitely two of the top five. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that this defense really played well against Josh Allen, and they did. Now, Josh Allen's play was really inexcusable, but I don't think his offensive coordinator did him any favors. I really don't. Now, 
throughout the course of the first half, you see Josh Allen standing in the pocket for seconds at a time, holding onto the football, watching these long developing pass combination or, or play combinations downfield develop. I didn't like that. It was continuous. The, the play calling was, con- was consistent as it was bad. It was that he continuously called these long developing pass combination pass routes downfield. And the only time that I saw Brian Dable calling anything that was getting the ball out quickly, finding, finding his outlets, finding Knox, finding, uh, or not, excuse me, finding Beasley, finding Brown, these short plays that get the bills downfield was the opening drive of the second half. And I understand they started the game with, Oh, a short, a short flat pass to Beasley. Oh, a short flat pass to Gore. Well, they both went incomplete and Brian Dabble's solution to them both going incomplete was, okay, we're just going to go away from it. And it really, he really did nothing to keep this defense at bay and really make them play honest on these third downs. They were running that cover zero all-out blitz on third and five and longer continuously. And there was nothing done by, on Brian Dabble's part to try and make them play honestly, to try and say, okay, you're not going to send seven guys because I'm going to run a draw and we're going to get seven yards on third down on a running play. Or I'm going to run a screen to TJ Yeldon and we're going to get 20 yards downfield because you sent seven men at me and, we're, and you guys were running man coverage and only have three defenders on, in, in the boundary of the field. They, he did nothing to keep this Patriots defense at bay. And yes, they were talented. But I think Brian Dabble was just flat out outcoached in this game. I don't think that the, the offense did the team any favors. Um, out coach is probably a good way to put it, but the Patriots defense had to confuse, had to confuse as much as well as the Bills defense played and as much as they kept Tom Brady off his game, the past defense did a better job of that. I understand you don't have your quarterback for the fourth quarter and Josh Allen has shown he can, he can lead drives in the fourth quarter. I understand that. I don't think Matt Barkley did anything wrong yesterday. He didn't really play bad and he played like a backup quarterback, but <laughs> The Patriots defense just just straight out took over the game. They had they took it over on special teams too with the play that was that was really the deciding play of the game. I mean that and then the stop on fourth down down on fourth and goal, which Zay Jones should have caught. Those were the two really deciding plays of the game. I mean, I know it's it's fallacy of the predetermined outcome. It's hard to say what could happen if either of those plays go either way, go the other way. But still, it's it's plays like that. That's why the Patriots won the game. And it's the difference between the Bills being so close and the Bills doing it is because great teams like the Patriots, they find ways to win that win those kinds of games. And plays like that is how is how they do it. If you've been listening, if you're a weekly listener, you would have heard me on a weekly basis poke holes at the small at the small failures of the offense or the problems that the Bills are having anywhere throughout throughout the course of a game because this is a pragmatic podcast and I'm not going to be biased by any means just because I'm a Bills fan and Jeff's a Bills fan as well we're not going to sit here and say that it's all crap and rainbows over a one Bills drive and throughout the course of those three games the issues that I saw with the offense because as an outside person I can look ahead and I'll be honest, I've been looking ahead each and every week. At week one, I was looking forward to New England. At week two, I was looking forward to New England. Because I knew that when you play the New England Patriots, they are going to dissect you and your weaknesses and your tendencies, and they are going to use them against you, and they are going to put them under a microscope. And that's exactly what this New England defense did to the offense. Because let's be honest, they, they, they had no answers for this defense. But they, were, they had all the answers to the offense. Brian Dabble continuously displaying his, in, his inability to make mid-game adjustments because 
in my opinion, they run that jail, that jail, jailbreak blitz twice. The first time where they get you on it and the second time where you burn them with it. And they, that, it didn't happen. They continuously ran that jailbreak blitz, the cover zero look, and it really bit this offense right in the rear. And it, it, it was – they only converted two, four, two third downs, in one of which Matt Barkley was in the game. So Josh Allen, when he was at, on the offensive side of the – or when he was in the game, he only converted one third down. And, yes, his play was inexcusable. I, I totally agree with that. He could not be doing the things that he was doing throughout this course, the course of this game and have his teammates expect him to win. That's, that's inexcusable. But Brian Dabble didn't do him any favors, no favors at all. And another part of the field where someone didn't, or they didn't really help him all that much was the offensive line. Deion Dawkins, man, Deion Dawkins. I want to outline Deion Dawkins for a second because he has six holding penalties so far this season. He has six holding penalties. Every third quarter so far in a game, he's had a holding penalty at, coming out of half. And he had three in this game, one of which was the offsetting penalty of when Josh Allen got knocked unconscious. He just continuously gets these holding penalties. And no, it's not for a lack of effort. No, it's not because he's not a leader. He's not trying. I think it's because he's out of position. Because coming out of the 20, in, in the 2017 draft, many draft analysts believe that he should be a guard for many of the same reasons that people believe that Cody Ford should be a guard. He doesn't have the ideal foot quickness to have that, that left tackle edge to be able to keep up with the marquee pass rushers in the league. No, I'm not calling Kyle Van Noy a marquee pass rusher, but you get the point. Deion Dawkins, I don't think, I think he's, I, I don't think he's suited to play left tackle in this league. I think he's better suited to play guard. That's where he's best to play. And the same can be said about Cody Ford. I don't know. Just that it just shows how inept this offensive personnel group, the personnel groupings, the personnel decisions, you're still rotating a right tackle. They've, they've had 10 weeks. Cause you have two weeks in the preseason, two weeks of training camp. They got four weeks, poor preseason games. And now you're four weeks into the regular season. You can't figure out who your damn right tackle is. What are you doing? You're still rotating Cody Ford and Ty and Secchi. I just don't understand it. I don't like the decisions that are being made with personnel groupings, the, the inconsistent play calling. The inconsistent ex execution is one thing, but I think overall these players aren't really being put in the best positions to succeed as a whole. Well, I said last week that – or maybe it was two weeks ago on the pod that I said, you just have to figure out your line situation, something you have to do. But if you don't have the personnel, it's tough. I mean, we can sit back and complain all they want, but if they don't have the personnel, they don't have it. It's, it's how you can go sign marquee linemen in the middle of the season. I'm not <laughs> saying that I want to credit the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator for what they've done, but you got to work with what you have. And if you have, if you have, true guards that have to play tackle that's sometimes you got to do it I mean I, I, that sounds like high school football to me or, or maybe small time college ball but I, I don't know I guess in the NFL it happens too but I'll tell you what all this stuff that we can complain about after this game and what's gone so so wrong this season so far this season they're 40 yards away from beating the Patriots you know, they they put the ball in the end zone that last drive. I mean, you had the the pass to John Brown down the right side that got called back. You would you were in the red zone then if there's not a flag on that play. If Stephen Hauschka makes that field goal at the end of the half, it's a completely different football game. Yeah, completely different thing, football game. We can we can complain all we want about this game and what the Bills haven't done right so far this season. They just they just finished within a score of the best team in the league. I'm calling them the best team in the league because until somebody beats them in the playoffs, you can't convince me that they're not. They've earned that reputation. They played with the Patriots for four quarters. They were resilient in the game. They showed that they belong. And that sends a statement to the league. 
that this isn't the same Bills team that gets hot in the start of the season, beats bad teams, and then gets killed by New England. They played with them. They showed that they can play with them. And they showed that if the Bills keep winning this season, Sunday Night Football is going to be in New England at the end of the year with the Bills and the Patriots. And that's going to be something because last time, remember the last time the Bills and the Patriots were on Sunday Night Football? Oh, wasn't that the McAlvin game? Mm-hmm. That, that, and, that was the McAlvin game. <laughs> yep. And I was, I was probably, what, 10 years old then? Eight we, years yeah. old? You were, I was you were, you were eight or something like that. I, you're, you're older than me, so I was like seven or eight. I remember it, though. I, I, remember I wasn't allowed day. to stay up to the end of the game. Bills were winning <laughs> when I went to bed. Woke up in the morning and see ya. Oh, so, that was a, I don't know. Yeah. I, thought, I don't know. But like I said, we, we can rip on them all we want, the play calling and everything. Bills are a damn good football team. And, I, and I, you cannot tell me that I said that before this week. I was not convinced at all before this week of anything the Bills had done so far. I said they hadn't proved themselves. The defense hadn't proved themselves. But I think they did with this game. You, you touched on the defense. This is probably the best defensive performance I've ever seen from a Bills defense. And it wasn't just, and it wasn't just people in Bills circles saying it everywhere. Everyone on Twitter Everyone. saying, whatever the Bills did, keep doing that. Everybody do that. Brady, Brady looked horrible. Awful. Awful. I started on fancy three points. Dude, he threw, he threw 18 completions, 21 incompletions. He's had the worst quarterback rating he's had in a win and throughout his entire starting career. And he had that was the worst quarterback rating he's had since 2006. Less That's than 50% a, completion rate for a guy who throws the ball five yards every play? It's absurd. It was crazy how good this defensive performance was. Every team in the league should look at what the Bills did on tape, take it, copy and paste it to their defense and try and do it. That's the thing. Cause the, what I can say about the bills defense is just the opposite of what I said about the offense. I can't say enough positive words about this defense, specifically Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. They had a tall task at hand with this new England backfield that features Rex Burkhead. Oh, it Jones, features everybody in the world. Yeah. James white. You got Sony Michelle. I mean, Hell, they haven't even activated Damian Harris yet. Their third-round pick out of Alabama. Who's the guy they, who scored the touchdown? I didn't even know who that was. Brandon Bolden. Oh, I forgot about Brandon Bolden. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Bolden's been around there for years. But oh, yeah. that's the thing. They are deep at running back, and they utilize these backs to the best of their ability. And James White was the leading receiver, and Matt Milano got beat on one play, but that was it. That was it. That, that seems like all they, that happened. He only got beat on one play, and they kept this rushing offense at bay with – a third string left tackle and a backup center that got drafted in the sixth round in 2016 and didn't start until this season. These linebackers really kept this whole team at bay. And the the secondary was draped all over the receivers, Tom Brady. We almost had a few coverage sacks. That's one thing I can say is that the pass rush was kind of lacking, but when they sent that, when they sent extra rushers, they were getting home and Brady was just throwing the ball away. That's 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 how it's been all year. Yeah, people don't really realize it's so hard to sack Tom Brady because he gets the ball out one, two, three, out. If that. That's the thing. If that. He decides that, right away. He decides, he decides right, right away. away. He gives up on plays after two seconds. He knows. Right. You, you, saw it, you saw it yesterday. He just, like, he takes a snap, play fake. Oh, Matt Milano's in his face. Duck it. Right behind the line of scrimmage. That should have been called for intentional ground. But, anyways, I want to I take a time to go back to the offense because one player specifically had me – fuming with rage and if you guys don't follow us on twitter instagram and facebook we have a few sources in with some inside circles with the bills and we reported that zay jones is currently sitting on the trade block and that a trade at the roster cuts fell through uh when teams were slimming the rosters so if you recall correctly zay jones mother and father they had outbursts on twitter quite a few actually this preseason and the funny thing about it is 
it doesn't take that much. All it is a call to mom. Hey, mom, I think I'm getting traded. Hey, dad, I think I'm getting traded. Well, if you guys remember correctly, Wyatt Teller's mother had a similar outburst right before he got dealt to Cleveland. So Zay Jones is on the market, and I'm not surprised. I mean, my prediction in the preseason is completely wrong. I thought Zay Jones was going to either be a 1,000-yard receiver or a 10-touchdown receiver. He has looked bad. And I wasn't sold that he was a misfit until this game. Because coming to this game, he had 10 targets for five receptions and 65 yards. And then in this game, wow, eight targets, two receptions, two drops, four receiving yards. Absolutely pitiful performance by Zay Jones. And it doesn't even have to do with stats. The part, part of it is, is when, is when jo- what was that? The worst, the worst thing he did isn't on the stat sheet. Right. When, when Josh Allen's throwing the ball to you, he just gives up on the play. He, he's looking like Kelvin Benjamin out there. What, what in the hell is he doing? He, he doesn't even fight for the ball. It's like, I, I don't know if you remember this, Jeff, but when Donald Jones was on this football team, uh, I forget who the quarterback was at the time. It was probably Fitzpatrick, but he throws a ball. It gets tipped. It bounces off the hands of Donald Jones. He swats the ball down. And he takes a huge hit from Vince Wilfork. But he swatted that ball down, and the Bills' drive continued. Zay Jones didn't even make an attempt to fight for the football. Not until the ball was already in the defender's hands. What kind of passive football play is that? I don't understand that. There's no place on this football team, or any football team for that matter, for a play like that. That's just a quitter mentality. I don't know know what he was doing there. Yeah, I don't either. It was bad. The ball – and then, like I said earlier, the play on fourth and goal, it would have been – a good catch, but it hit him right in the hands. And if it hits you in the hands, you got to catch it. I was listening to the Bills postgame show yesterday on GR, and they're saying it would have been a great catch, but NFL receivers make great catch, make great catches. That's what the Bulldogs said. NFL receivers make great catches, and you've got to catch that. Hit him right square in the hands. The ball, the ball hit him right in his right in his fingers. He had he had his hands. I we're both doing it on in our video right now <laughs> we're doing a little try his hands stretch right above his head like they do like when you have the print on your gloves and the guys cross their hands like that to show the the design on their on their catching gloves or whatever it says he did that and it went right through his hands i don't even know if he would have been in, in the end zone on that but at least that could have made up for his his play earlier when he let the corner catch the ball and then decided oh i'm going to try to pull it out of his hands after he already caught it so yeah. That definitely didn't help his, his own trade stock with that performance. I don't know if he wants to be traded or not, but he definitely didn't help himself out if he does because, I mean, we were talking Stephon Diggs in return for Jones and a pick is, is what we tweeted earlier in the week. Oh, Something like it. that. You can get somebody. <laughs> if I'm the Vikings or if I'm anybody, I don't want that guy after this performance. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that guy. He's a second-round pick, and I don't want to say he sucks, but he's not good. He's not good. I mean, they, they drafted him to be a slot receiver or something of the sorts, a Cole Beasley type of player. He's not. He just he's never is. He's, I mean, he's, he's a little big to be a slot receiver. He's a little small to be an outside guy. And exactly. he just, he's just not that good. I don't know. He's I don't a, like drafting players from, from lower, I don't know if mid-major is a team. For or it's like a double A, double A one, something like that. Yeah, I know we got our uh, quarterback from Wyoming. But I'm not a big fan of drafting players from schools like that. Get people on Alabama. They get the 100 best recruits every year. That's why they win. The 100 best players at high school are going to Alabama or Clemson. Why do you think the same teams are good every single year? Draft right. players from those schools. That's a whole other discussion. The thing, the thing is with Zay Jones is early into your point, you talked about how they spoke on the, pre-game, or on the post-game show rather of that'd be an amazing catch. And you know what? In the 
two years and four games that I've seen of Zay Jones in Buffalo, I've never seen a play where I go, damn, what a play by Zay Jones. <laughs> All the plays that he makes are plays that should be made, where the mm-hmm. ball is catchable and you make wide the catch. Open. He's wide open. You make the play. You get in the end zone. It's always plays like that. A good example of this is the drop in Carolina two years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that would be a perfect example of a, uh-huh. damn, look at that play that Zay Jones made. I hit him I've in the never hands, too. I'm not, that hit him in the hands. That, that's the thing. I've never said, wow, look at what Zay Jones did on this play. It's always, okay, he looks, he looks average. He looks this. But, no, he did not help his, tra- his, tra- or his trade value at all. But the reason I, he's really a misfit is you can see it in the numbers. It was obvious that he was in, going to be involved in this game plan if he had eight targets. You can say what you will about the overthrows, the underthrows, Josh not being good. But when I, when I see that kind of body language from a player on a play where your quarterback's struggling and you're not doing anything to help him, you can't catch the ball, well, fight for the damn ball. Fight for the ball. Do something. It, it, doing something is much better than just scooting out of bounds and like, oh, he caught it. Oh, let me uh, try and get him out of bounds. It, it, it was just so lackluster, very lackluster. He looked lackadaisical the whole game yesterday. And I don't like it. I don't like what I've seen from Zay Jones. I have to eat crow on my prediction of him scoring 10 touchdowns or going for 1,000 yards. I don't even think that's realistic at this point. It's not even realistic to say he'll have 500 yards at this point, I don't think. And that's, that, that leads me into the next point I want to make is Zay Jones is on the field, was on the field a lot. Eight targets is a pretty good amount of targets throughout the game. Dawson Knox is a playmaker. He is a playmaker, and he, with the limited targets that he has, he has been making plays. That falling backwards catch, the truck against Cincinnati, the dude's an athlete. He has potential, but I fear that Brian Dabble and his lack of utilization for certain players is really what's going to hinder him until Brian Dabble isn't the offensive coordinator, whether it be because he gets a head coaching job or he gets fired, whatever it may be. I just don't feel like Dawson Knox's potential is going to get tapped into as well as it should be if Brian Dabble is still the play caller. Yeah, I like that, Knox. I mean, he makes some good plays. He's kind of just seems like one of those guys who just gets thrown in there to have to be a tight – he's got your typical tight end build, but he's, he's made some plays. He made a real nice catch down the sideline yesterday. Um, he made, like you said, he made some good plays against Cincinnati and I like him, man. I like him. I mean, he's, is he, we're assuming that he's taking Tommy Sweeney snaps. That's, that's another thing I want to get into is when Tyler Croft comes back, this, this coaching staff has shown that they are far more inclined to start veterans over these young players. And what I fear with Dawson Knox is you're going to stunt his development and stunt his growth as a football player. If that's the case. Now, if you're asking me if I have a preference to this point, absolutely have a preference. I have a preference for Dawson Knox. It makes sense as far as team building is concerned because Tyler Croft has an opt-out at the end of the year. He's lost $2 million already for missing four games. For every game that he misses, he loses $500,000. And if Dawson Knox is looking this good, he looks far better than I expected him to in year one. But if he continues to look this good, it's going to be hard to pull him off the field. And I don't want to see them stunt this player's growth because I have a feeling we really have something special with Dawson Knox. Well, it's also if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I mean, if the, he's been making plays, so why take him out? You know, I mean, do I assume that Croft, the veteran, is going to be better just because Knox is a rookie? Right. So. We, that, that's an assumption, but I just I, – I, I want to see them utilize him more in the offense. And utilizing a tight end in the offense isn't really something we've seen Brian Dabble, Brian Dabble do. I know old man Clay didn't do it last year, 
and Jason Kroom, you, you can say what you will about Jason Kroom, but I, I fear that they don't know how to utilize Dawson Knox. They don't know. I, Zay Jones, he very much well could be a good receiver, but he's not a good receiver for the Bills. Is that a testament to how bad Zay Jones is, or is it that he's not being utilized the correct way? You can't really say you, you can't really say for sure until you see him in a different offense and you see a different offensive coordinator utilizing him in a different way because this is an offense that's really predicated on speed and separation. And Zay Jones, he's not the slowest receiver in the world, but he's not the fastest. He doesn't get mm-hmm. great separation, and he gets kind of meh separation, or he's covered like a blanket for play in and play out. So the Patriot game, it was a solid game. It was a solid game. It was right there for the taking. We're a block punt away from winning the football game. We are John Brown being tackled with a one yard away from a football game. Jo- if Josh Allen doesn't go out of that game and he takes two of the four drives away from Matt Barkley, I think we win. I honestly do. For as bad as Josh Allen looked throughout the game, he looked solid in that, in that third quarter when, he, when they came out of half. And if they started, I'm not saying I have faith in Brian Dabble to run that kind of stuff and go back to it when they need that touchdown. But Josh Allen, he's proven more times than not that he's perfectly capable of driving down in the fourth quarter and sealing a football game. So if he comes in for two of those four drives, I think the Bills are 4-0, and they just took down the world champions. Yeah, well, again, it's fail see the predetermined outcome. You know, you don't know. You can't say the whole game changes if he stays in the game and if, like, if the pun would have been blocked, it changes all your play calling and everything. But, yeah, I mean, the, the trend of the game seemed like if he would have stayed in there, then maybe they could have driven down the field at the end of the game. I mean, the, the Bills' defense held the Patriots so many times. So many times with the Pats, they could have scored and put the game out of reach, and they just couldn't. The Bills' defense just kept stopping them. Patriots got 11 first downs yesterday. Nine punts. It, yeah, and 200-something yards. 224. Like 24 yards of total offense. That's really good. And in, in a game like that, when the Pats just don't keep not putting up points, it seems like the Bills eventually had to do it. They didn't. Whether that's because the quarterback got hurt or not, I don't know. But, yeah, it's definitely a different game with Allen. And it's definitely a different game with Allen in the game because he's shown that he can lead fourth-quarter drives. He showed it this year. Obviously, the Jets' defense is a lot different than the Patriots. But still, it's an NFL defense. Right. And I like my chances with Allen in there to score to score a touchdown. You know, even if it's even if it's not a game-winning drive and with, with a in a two-minute drill at the end of the game, you score a touchdown in the quarter. You you put points on the board, you win. Right. Doesn't matter yeah. when it. It doesn't matter when the touchdown would have came. They just needed one. Right. Now, before we get into our game preview for this week's opponent, Jeff, give me your most valuable player and your least valuable player from this past game. Um, I like defense as a whole, most available player. I like Micah Hyde. He had the nice pick in the end zone. I think he's played great all year. I'm a big Micah Hyde fan, the secondary in general. So I'll pick Micah Hyde for my MVP. Um, we know who the least available player is. He sucks, Zay Jones. Ooh. We know that. Yeah. that Zay Jones has got true. a lot to prove now. He's got a lot to prove after after this week. He's gonna have to really. We're gonna have to really see a good effort from him soon. And now I don't think he has a lot to prove to the Bills. I think he has a lot to prove to suitors for a trade, honestly. I honestly do. Do you think he wants to go somewhere else? I mean, if they keep going in the direction that they have, he's only been targeted 18 times in four games. That's not a lot of targets. John Brown has 18 receptions, had 18 receptions going into this game alone. And Zay Jones is sitting here with 18 targets. Who knows? He could want to go elsewhere. But he looked very disgruntled at the end of the game because I watched the post-game press – or not his post-game presser, but a post-game interview with him in the locker room. He did not look – he obviously looked frustrated. 
I think, I think he knows. Cause if his parents found out that he was about to get traded, obviously that's a call to mom, mom, I'm about to get traded. So mm-hmm. he's on the block. You know, before I give you my most valuable player, least valuable player, Jeff, what do you want for Zay Jones? What trade, who are you looking to get? What do you think we should get in return? And what do you think we should give up for whoever? Well, I want an, I want an upgrade in the receiver position. I don't think that they should just trade him for a pick because what, what are you doing there? Right. You know, if you're trying to be a playoff contender, then you shouldn't be trading for picks. You got to upgrade. I, I would like a big-time outside receiver. Now, a big-time, obviously, is a vague term, and it's hard to get. You're not going to get an elite receiver in the middle of the season. You can get somebody good. You got to get something better than Kelvin Benjamin. Now, hold on. Let me pause you. What would you think about AJ Green? Why why would they trade AJ Green? Why would the Bengals trade AJ Green? Yeah. He's old, he's 31. He's in the last year of his contract. They just extended uh Tyler Boyd. Auden Tate is up and coming. He had six receptions against this defense like, or two weeks ago or a week ago. And they have John Ross, who is really coming into his own in his third season. So AJ Green, I, I'm not sure what his cap number is at the moment, but AJ Green, the last year of his deal he could be on the move. He has been injury prone. And I think when he comes back in, he is a dynamic receiver, but it could be like what I said about Tyler Croft coming back. It could stunt the growth of players like John Ross, players like Auden Tate. So AJ Green could be far more likely on the move than many people may think. Well, what? So you trade Jones in a pick? I'm thinking you trade Jones a third, Jones and a third in exchange for AJ Green. I don't know. I think they'd want a second. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. th- it's going to be hard to give up give for a team to ask for a second for a 31 or 30 some odd year old receiver. That's the thing. But he's shown he's, I mean, he, he's been top 10, even maybe in top five receiver in the league in, in recent years. When he's healthy. Yeah. When so he's healthy. I think if you, if you are put in a bind and you have to give up either a third or second round pick to get one of these receivers, I think you call Minnesota because ever since Dalvin cook, cause last year, Dalvin cook tore his ACL. He was out for the year and Christian Christian or yeah, Christian, or Kirk Cousins, rather, in that offense, he really utilized his two solid receivers, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Well, ever since Stephon Diggs got that extension, he's making $11 million per year. Delvin Cook comes back this season, and they, they're a run-first football team because when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, you should run the ball more often than you throw. Stephon Diggs hasn't been utilized to how his, how his contract would indicate. So he's making $11 million per year, and he is a misfit in his own right in Minnesota. And – I think if he were, if the Bills were to trade for him, trade Zay a second for Stephon Diggs, possibly an exchange of th- day three picks, like where they swap a fifth for a sixth or mm-hmm. a fourth for a sixth, something of that sort. I think you can get a deal done. And I think if you add Diggs to this offense, it's a whole different, you, you take this offense to a whole different level with Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and then Cole Beasley in the slot. I think this offense is completely, the, the dimension of the deep offense is completely changed when you get a number one receiver because yes, Stephon Diggs and AJ Green are both number one receivers. And the reason that's so important is because if games like yesterday, where you have the best corner in football and Stephon Gilmore covering blanketing John Brown, the game's pretty much limited at that point because then you're left with who? Zay Jones and Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley isn't bad, but that's a game where you see Zay Jones get eight targets. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let's, let's change that. We have Stephon Diggs now. Now those, those are John Brown's targets. Maybe, those tar- maybe it's a far more controlled possession now that you have a better receiver being covered by the best corner on the field. It opens up the game for the whole offense, the whole passing offense, 
and it really just gives you more versatility as far as play calling is concerned and touches are concerned as well. Man, wouldn't that get Bill's Mafia fired up, huh, for your number one receiver? Oh, I get fired up all right. After that, after that effort from Zay Jones, oh, I'd get real fired up. And it's easier said than done, but they can do it. You know, why not? I, I think that if the, if the Bills front office makes a move like that, that'll really be sending a statement that they're going for it sooner rather than later. When we, when we were talking this week, I said if they trade for Diggs, if, if they win, I said if they win this week, they should trade for Diggs and give him a second because why not? Because that is a power move. You just beat the best team in football. Honestly, I, this game really much really was deciding the AFC East this season because I don't think the Bills are going to fall off. And before we get into our game preview, my most valuable player is Tremaine Edmonds. And you can, you can throw Matt Milano in there too. Pretty much any – I wouldn't say any player on the defense – but the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, they had a phenomenal game. Coming to this game, the Patriots averaged 158 yards rushing per game against the Sean McDermott defense. See, that's the thing, that this defense has really shut down Tom Brady. I say, quote-unquote, quote shut down Tom Brady because they, the Patriots really haven't had to throw the ball. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, the Patriots are going to dissect your weakness and they are going to target that weakness. And the weakness of the Sean McDermott defense for the last couple of years has been the run defense. Well, this year, they're – Offensive lines banged up, and the Bills' run defense seems to have been improved from the last couple of seasons. And a lot of the shutdown on the defense had a lot to do with how Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds shut down the, back, the running backs out of the backfield on pass routes or just running plays. They, they, they had nothing going for the running game. I think Sony Michelle had like 60 yards, and 15 of which came on the first play from scrimmage. So, yeah, this defense, it looks legit, and I'm calling this team legit as well. But – but there's an asterisk next to legit, I think, when you're talking about this offense. As my least valuable player, if you cannot tell from my rants in the earlier part of the show, Brian Dabble. I, I think that these – it's just – it's getting to the point where it's no longer just him being – the inconsistencies, they're tendencies. The, in, the, the inconsistencies have turned into tendencies for Brian Dabble in his offense. You really don't he, like that guy. No, I don't. I think, I think you should switch to Ken Dorsey by, by midseason if, he, if this continues. No, the offensive production in terms of yardage isn't bad at all. But the Bills, I, they, they mustered – all they can muster yesterday was, what, 10 points? All you can muster – your defense just held the greatest quarterback to ever play football to 150 yards, no touchdowns, 18 completions versus 21 – oh, yeah, interceptions. 21 incompletions and nine points. And all you can muster is 10 points. Three and out after three and out – I mentioned it in my game preview that if the Bills get the Patriots to go three and out or they get a turnover, you must turn those, those favorable positions into points. And they did just the opposite. You can blame it on Josh Allen. You can blame it on the execution of the offense, absolutely. But it really comes down to Brian Dowell and his inept offensive play calling and the inability to adjust, make mid-game adjustments, whether it be the blitz packages and not having any counterpart to it or the – personnel groupings having lee smith run a fade route at the corner of the end zone on third and five right before half that confused me that mm. really confused me and that really rubbed me the wrong way just decisions like that that's why he's the least least valuable player of the week and i know he's not a player he's a coach but everybody has to do their part well brian dabble you didn't do yours this week all right let's get into our game preview as the bills head to the head to tennessee to play the tennessee titans this is an interesting matchup it really is. They have a solid defense. Uh, they're 12th in the league in rushing. Their offense is quite inconsistent. They're very inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball. In fact, it's almost, as far as yardage and all that is concerned, 
They're 26th in the league in yards per game. They're 28th in the league in pass yards per game. And they're 13th in the league in points per game. So 22.8 points per game is not bad at all. It's quite comparable to what the Bills have been putting at average so far this season. But I think if you can contain Derrick Henry, you can contain Deion Lewis like you did with these Patriots running backs. That's where Deion Lewis came from. He came from the Patriots to the Titans. If you can contain these two running backs, these two, these two players rarely complement each other very well. If you can contain these two backs, I think if you have Marcus Mariota, throw, Mariota throwing, you have them where you want them, and you're setting yourself up in a favorable position to win this game ultimately. I mean, do we really know what this team is? Do we really no. know what the Titans are? I mean, they blew out the Browns. They beat the Browns by 30 in week one. That's why their points per game is so high. They scored 45 in one game. And then they went out and lost back-to-back games to the Colts and the Jags. I know that the one was on Thursday Night Football, which Thursday Night Football is a whole different animal. It's stupid. and It's, it's got to go away. Yeah, it's got to go away. So those games can be whatever. But still, those are two bad teams, in my opinion, the Colts and the Jaguars. Right. I mean, this whole AFC or AFC South outside of the Texans, they're really just a bunch of meh. They're, 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 they're the all mediocre teams. And the Titans, they're really the definition of mediocre. They're, they're up one week, like you said. They'll beat the Browns by 30, and then they'll drop one to the Colts, and they'll be beat by 13 to the Jaguars. It's just by, by a backup quarter, nonetheless, a rookie backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. But it's just you don't know what you're getting with this team. You really don't. And that's what scares me is that we're, we're on their home field. Derrick Henry so far this year – he has 78 attempts for 310 yards, averaging four yards per carry. They haven't really utilized De- or Deion Lewis now. They lost their offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, as he was hired by the Packers as their new head coach. They really haven't utilized Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis has 13 carries for 45 yards and nine receptions for 22 yards. So I'm not saying – I don't know if I should really be afraid of what they're going to do with Deion Lewis, but Derrick Henry is a playmaker. And if this – they need to contain it. But this is going to be another big game for Edmonds. If Edmonds can – stop Deion Lewis if Matt Milano can stop Deion Lewis if this uh if the defensive line has good run has good gap integrity pardon me then this is going to be a long game for Mariota in this offense what I don't hope to see is that this is another long game for our offense uh recording this on a Monday I can't really speak to the status or the severity of Josh Allen's concussion at this point but I ultimately don't think this is going to be a far different game where if Josh Allen were to start compared to Matt Barkley I think that this defense they are talented. They are really talented from the front seven to the back four. Jeff, what do you think? What is your biggest concern coming into this game? Well, I'm not concerned about the Titans offense. I think Mariota is not good at all. Um, I don't think he's very accurate passer. His legs, he's his, I mean, his thing's supposed to be running, but he doesn't really impress me that much with his legs either. He's, he's not any better running the ball than Josh Allen, in my he looks opinion. Like Ty, he looks like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. I don't think Allen's going to play, which I'm not too concerned about. I think that it's best just to leave him out, you know, with the head injury, especially with the bye week coming after this. Just give him his two weeks, tell him that up front so he doesn't have to worry about it. You know, let him get his rest. Don't make him prepare to face another defense this coming week. I'm not really, I'm not really worried about anything with Tennessee just because it's, it's, it's an obscure game. You know, it's, we, I know we, we seem to play them about every other year. Yep. But it's a team that you don't know a lot about. You know, I mean, it's not like you're playing the Steelers who we see every week or you're playing the Cowboys who we watch at 430 every week and we get to hear Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It's, <laughs> it's Tennessee's one of those teams where it's just like we, we don't really know what they are. You know, they make the playoffs some years. I'm most interested 
to see how the Bills come back after the Patriots game. You know, even though they lost, I think that their effort yesterday gives them confidence. They showed that they can play with the best franchise in football. And I think that it not only gives them confidence because it was a close game, but it puts a fire in their bellies because they lost. Where they, they gave just about as good of an effort as they could on the defensive side at least, but they still lost. I think that's a motivator. Motivator. So I'm not really worried about anything with the Titans. You know, I, I'm not really too. I'm not really a big believer on that. It makes too much of a difference going on the road. Obviously, you'd like to be at home, but you know, it's it's not that it's not that big of a deal to me when playing somewhere in ten, like Tennessee at one o'clock game, whatever. Um, so I'm not really worried. I'm just interested to see how the Bills will come back. I think that if this Bills team is a playoff contender, which that's what I'm going to call them the rest of the year. If they're going to be a playoff contender, that's how I'm going to judge them. If they want to be mediocre like they've been for the last however many years, then you can go ups and downs and you can lose to Tennessee and then you can beat Green Bay and then you can lose to the Browns and then you can beat the Rams. I don't even know if we play those teams. That's just trying to prove my just point. Just examples. Then do whatever. But if they're going to be a playoff contender – and if this season's different, this is the game you win. You just go down there and win. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter if you beat them by 40. It doesn't matter if you beat them two to nothing. You just win. Somehow you just find a way to win. That's what you got to right. do. Just take care of business. On to the next now, week. Now, I, I was watching um, Hashtag Sports. They do a live show on, on YouTube from time to time. And he outlined, Mario outlined how in Tom Brady's – First year as a starter in 2001, the average win margin was about nine points. And that, that was really our concern with these last couple of weeks is, well, we're playing these trash teams, but we're only winning by X. That's, that, that was really what we were talking about mostly. Mm-hmm. And I really like what you had to say about bouncing back because we've seen this Sean McDermott team, they didn't fall victim to the trap game. And I didn't think they'd fall victim to a trap game. And this is the kind of thing that the quote-unquote process and the quote-unquote culture that protects you from these games. You don't get too high from one win. You don't get too low from one, one loss. And now it's about time to see, we're about to see how this team responds after they won three straight games, they drop one to the best team in football. How do you respond when you're playing, in my opinion, an inferior opponent? How are you going to respond? Are they going to be resilient? And I, I honestly think they will. I think they will yeah. be resilient, but you can't allow this game or you can't allow one loss to cost you another game as well. You can't fret on an, on one game. You can't dwell on it. But at the end of the day, this defense really worries me. I mean, you got Jarrell Casey. He's, he's a veteran. That's always been really good on the interior front. Harold Landry, a first round pick from a couple of years ago, Cameron wake, a familiar face to the AFC East Rashawn Evans, a first round pick from last year, Daquan Jones, Jayon Brown, a lot of versatility and speed with this front seven where there's one guy that can stuff the run. There's Jayon Brown who can run with pretty much any tight end in the league. And then this secondary, my goodness, this secondary, Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro on the back end of the secondary. And then you got a Dory Jackson, a first round pick from a couple years ago and Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, two former Patriots on, on the boundary. It's really, it's a really talented defense. And I don't think that I, I we're going to get into our predictions here. I don't think it really makes a difference either way with whoever starts at quarterback. I think the Bills pull this one out 13-9, to nine, but I would not be surprised if they dropped this game. I would be extremely disappointed. I'd be far more disappointed than I was when they dropped to the Patriots. If there's a moral victory to be had in any sport, it was had for the Bills this week, but they stuck with the best football team in football. Now it's about how resilient you are. I have the Bills winning 13-9. to nine. 
if the Bills lose this game, it takes a lot of wind out of your sails as a Bills fan. I mean, you can come away from yesterday's loss positive. You can come out of a lot of losses positive, but you start 3-0, and think maybe this year's different than the other years. You lose to the Patriots, but it's but it's not a bad loss. That was not a bad loss. No. But you got to come back and win the next week. That's the thing. You got to come back and win the next week. You can't go out and lose to an inferior team the next week because then you're just like every other year that you've had. You're just like every other season where you started well and started losing to bad teams. It's a game you got to win. I got the Bills 16 to 13. Defensive battle. Oh, it's going to be a defensive battle. All right. With uh, a Tyrod Taylor esque quarterback and Marcus Mariota. And, uh, whether it's going to be Matt Barkley or Josh Allen will be determined, but I don't think this defense in Tennessee is far off of what New England is. It's ran by Mike Rabel, uh, former Patriot and himself. I believe he was on the Patriots staff before he was hired in Tennessee. Mike Rabel, he, he takes a lot. Of, it's, it's like the, the Lions and Titans, they both do similar things to the Patriots as they're both re- they both really come for the Patriots system. That's why you see players like Malcolm Butler. You see players like Logan Ryan. These players, they really run a Patriot-esque defense, and it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to run similar things to how the Patriots ran because holding this offense to 10 points is really what stopped us. And it's going to be interesting because I think as long as Matt Barkley's your quarterback, the game plan is far different, whereas if Josh Allen's your quarterback because they are two different quarterbacks with two different skill sets. But either way, it's going to be a defensive battle. And, I, I, man, I hope they come away with a win. Man, I hope they come away with a win. and. I, I know you people can tell that I, I'm not too confident in this game. I'm not too confident in this game because in my lifetime, this is the game that the Bills drop. You go 3-0. and You compete with the Patriots. I know I can't say they've competed with the Patriots forever. The, with the, first, the easiest thing to go to is 2011 where they start 3-0 and or they start 5-2. and They finish 1-8. and what, what, one and eight. That, That's yeah. the easiest thing to go to. That's, that's what we're so used to as Bills fans. This, I think this is the game. If it wasn't the New England game, it's this game where the Bills prove if they're legit or not. If they can prove that they can bounce back after being on a high ride, being 3-0, and and then dropping one to their division rival, if they can bounce back and handle business in Nashville, that's what's going to sell it for me if this Bills team's legit or not. It's a game that they should win, and I think they will. I'm fairly confident. As a, as a fan right. who's – as a person who is not usually that confident in my sports teams, I'm – I'm fairly confident that they'll win this game. I think it'll be huge going into the going into the bye, you know? Huge. And then we got Miami, I think. And we got Miami. Give me that's them. Good. Give me that's where that's where it gets year. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, why don't you tell the good people where you can find where they can find you? And we'll wrap find this me up. on Twitter at Real J U V N O R E A L J U V E I N O. You can find me on Twitter at C-F-R-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. That's at C-F-R Clayton. And don't forget to follow the Cold Front Report on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook as well. Uh, Jeff and I, we both release articles every week. I'll leave, it, I'll leave a link to our web page in the show notes. You can find us on Twitter at Cold Front Report and find us on Instagram at Cold Front Report underscore Bills News and like us on Facebook, Cold Front Report Buffalo Bills News. This has been the Overtime Podcast by, presented by Nicole.